Hey friends, and welcome back to this week's episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. I'm your non-diet dietitian, trainer, and host Katie, and this is episode 249. I can't even believe that we're almost at 250 episodes, really beyond 250, because back in the day, Lauren and I would do double episodes during the week. If you would like a little Fit Friday tip coming back, let me know. That could be something we could make happen. But if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I give tips every day. So you should probably just follow there. But today I'm excited to talk about one of my favorite topics, sleep. We have talked about sleep on this podcast many times, but today we're specifically going to talk about melatonin, CBD, and really just sleep hygiene. Today, I'm interviewing Dr. Carlia Weiss. She has over 15 years of experience as an adult geriatric nurse with a master in science of healthcare and a PhD in nursing focusing on behavioral sleep medicine and circadian rhythms, aka she's super smart. She was actually contacted by many companies, and today she's going to talk a little bit about a company called Beam, and we'll link to them in the show notes They've actually sent me some products that I've tried that I've really enjoyed that have helped with my sleep. So we'll put a link to those. I'm not an affiliate. I've just done some research, wanted to bring her on the show to talk about her expertise because I thought it was so fascinating. And I get so many questions about melatonin, about CBD. And I have so many people who are just taking melatonin supplements and they don't really understand the dosage or the why or how to actually get the most benefit from them. So Dr. Weiss was actually contacted by, like I said, many companies. And this company Beam is one that she can actually get behind due to the quality, the amount of melatonin in their products. She had a really good experience. She looked at all their records, ethically sound, okay? She is originally from Brazil. She, like I said, she has her bachelor's in nursing, bachelor's in education, and she completed a medical surgical training and master's at the federal, I'm going to say this wrong, Fluminine, Fluminine, I'm, I give up, Federal University in Rio de Janeiro. She spent eight years as an assistant professor, clinician, assisting adults and elderly patients in hospitals, nursing homes, hospices, private practice. And then she came to the, the US where she earned her PhD and postdoc in sleep circadian rhythms at the State University at New Buffalo. What's interesting too, her background in geriatrics. We had some conversations, you know, I've shared here on the podcast that my grandmother actually passed from Alzheimer's. And that's a big, big motivator for me for movement, for sleep, for my health is it's a horrible disease. I watched quite literally watched her pass. You know, she lived with us while I was living at home with my parents when I was in high school and college, and it was horrible. And that is something that I Number one, don't want to experience, but I do not want my family, my future family to have to live through that. So we talk a little bit about that, how sleep impacts our mental health. And anyways, she is super awesome. I am really excited for you to take some notes because I know you're going to have some really good takeaways. And as always, if you want to continue this conversation about sleep, we'll post links and and all the things that we're going to talk about, continue to talk about over in our free private community. Just click the link in the show notes and you'll answer a few questions to make sure you're not a robot. And there is where we'll connect. All right, team, onto the show. Welcome to Fit Friends Happy Hour, 
a podcast about all things nutrition, fitness, and life in your 20s and 30s, all from a non-diet lens. I'm your host, Katie Hake, and I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist and certified personal trainer. Join me here every week as I talk with interesting people and experts from all walks of life about their relationship with food and their bodies. I'll also share my experience working with clients in my private practice to help women find food freedom and body confidence. I'm on a mission to help you stop quantifying and start living. Learn to stop measuring your success by the scale and find your fears. Good morning, Dr. Weiss. Welcome to the Fit Friends Happy Hour podcast. We're so happy to have you. Thanks so much, Katie. I appreciate so much the opportunity to be here and talking to you today. First, you have to tell our listeners where you are because I think it's so awesome. <laughs> yes, yes. So I am visiting my family in Brazil. So I'm right now in Rio de Janeiro. So that beautiful places that is on the postcards. When you think about Brazil, that's where I am right now. And it's um, 100 degrees. Oh so. my gosh, is it really? <laughs> Yes. Wow. Well, it's we woke, 100 degrees today. <laughs> we woke up to snow here in Indiana and I can see the sunshine in your video and yes, <laughs> I'm just it's giving me life. It's giving me life. So, tell us a little bit about just yourself. You know, how did you come to specialize in sleep? What is your your story, you know, with food, body, health, all the things? Yes. So, I started my career here in Brazil. I went to school to become a nurse and I wanted to be involved in geriatric nursing, which every time that I say geriatric nursing, everybody only thinks about the very older adult that is kind of already with multiple comorbidities. But my focus is uh, healthy aging. How can we do uh, an assessment ourselves and make sure that when we get to 60s and 70s, we're going to be still healthy and functioning well, right? So my undergraduate and my uh, clinical training was all with that perspective about healthy aging. And I went on to get my master's and I really wanted to have the research experience and I work from bedside nursing and also as um, a faculty at the university here in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro. And uh, when it became time to get my doctoral degree, I decided to move to the United States to have more of the research perspective of the, the training. And through all this time, and we think about healthy aging, we have three pillars, right? It's exercise, nutrition, and sleep. Those are the three uh, main components for healthy aging. And I decided to dive deeper into the sleep component of the, spy, the spilers. So upon moving to the United States for my doctoral degree, I dive deeply into sleep and discover all the amazing things that sleep is important for and how sleep has this key component for everything related to health. So uh, for immune function, for physical capacity, for cognition. So even if you want to have on a be on a healthy diet, if you don't sleep well, you don't make the right uh, metabolism for that healthy diet. If you want to exercise well but don't sleep well, we don't recover enough to stay fit, we stay healthy. So that's how my trajectory 
was, and I've been doing this for 16 years now. Oh, wow. So interesting from the research side of things and side note, how you say geriatric. It's so funny because my background is in bariatrics and people would always think that I was saying geriatrics (laughs) and educating people on the difference between what, what those mean. So that's super fascinating. So let's dig a little bit more into the sleep, like sleep itself. You know, can Mm -hmm. you, I think we all know, but tell us from your brain and your understanding, you know, what actually happens when we sleep? What is happening that it's so important and impacts so many other aspects of our mm-hmm. life and our health? Yeah, so sleep is this fascinating state that our body goes into that uh, sometimes we think that everything is shut down while we're sleeping, but it's actually the extreme opposite to that. So certain processes in our body only happen when we are sleeping. For example, there's some uh, immune cells that only grow if we have a certain number of hours of sleep. So, for example, T cells are responsible to identify stranger bodies that come into contact to us. They need sleep to multiply. The uh, cells in our body, in our immediate function, that also detect cancer, they need to proliferate when we are sleeping. For the metabolism of uh, glucose and insulin, sleep is critical to have the balance between those two. And also for our brain, thinking about getting older and not having dementia, right? So we have a cleaning system in our brain that takes out inflammation and other molecules that accumulate during the day, and it only happens during sleep. So it's so critical to have sleep to have this proliferation of some things or growth hormone also needs to sleep to increase the volume and also to clean all the things that accumulate during the day that can be damaged for our body. So we conduct multiple types of research associating and try to explore why sleep is so important. So for example, we look into people who do shift to work, for example, mm. that work nights. My goodness, uh, my mom. Well, you know, as a nurse, my mom yes. raised six children. And in order to be there for us for our school events, she worked third shift for however many years. And even to this day, she's retired. And it's so hard for her to get in a normal rhythm. But oh my gosh, yes. yes. Talk yes. to us about that. So what are what yeah, what are some of the studies that you've been involved in that you've learned from? So some of the studies that we've done with you to workers and we work with nurses anesthesiologists that work in ICU. So for them, there was about a 30% increase of risk developing type 2 diabetes just by working at nights because they are exposed to light at a time that we usually should be sleeping and that disturbs the melatonin rhythm and as a consequence disturbs the insulin and glucose rhythm. So we saw increase in body weight for them, increase in risk of type 2 diabetes. The other findings that we had was associated with prostate cancer and breast cancer. So looking, and this was a study that uh, we conduct some parts, but also we have colleagues in three countries in Europe and in Brazil also doing the same study looking at this. So Once we rule out all the characteristics such as um, 
gender, or family history, there was an increase in prostate cancer and breast cancer in individuals that work shift to work. Just because, uh, again, they are awake during a time that uh, they should be sleeping. And the, the hormonal imbalance that that creates affects the testosterone and the estrogen. And with that, the proliferation of cells increase in the breast and in the, the prostate area as well. Wow. So interesting. So I'm curious, like with, with those studies in particular, did it matter like if they got you know, they still got eight hours of sleep or whatever the air quotes recommendation is. Mm-hmm. Did, did that matter? But it was really the, with the light that had the issue. It was really the light that had the issue. That's so, so interesting. Yes. It was really the light that had the issue. So if you think about, we have a large amount of our population that is at risk for, for having Oh my that, goodness. Right? So And the thing, I I just think back to it, right. And we could talk so much about this, you know, the systemic issues of populations who have to work these third shifts and, and they often, you know, get stigmatized for living in a larger body or having health conditions. And it's like, hold on there. It is so much more complex than just poor diet and and exercise, right? Yes. Just what you're saying is such a great example of the research. Yes. There, there is this blaming culture that you start working nights now and you're putting all those weights and what is going on is because you're snacking all night. That is always this type of blame. Mm-hmm. But we, the research also found that there's two hormones that uh, regulate how you feel hungry and what you crave when you feel hungry and how your brain understands when you are full. So mm-hmm. those two hormones are also dysregulated when you do stay awake uh, at night. So, and then you start craving more fatty food because that helps kind of boost your metabolism a little bit to stay awake during the night, but of course you accumulate more uh, mm-hmm. of the fat. And also you have less of the hormone that tells your brain that you fall. So you keep craving the fatty food the fast food, the Coke and Pepsi and all that. Quick sources of fuel, really, for, yes. your, for your body. Yeah. Yes. And your brain does not understand that you're full. Mm. That's so, also just so amazing how smart the body is, because in that moment, the body's recognizing I'm sleep deprived, I, but I'm being forced to stay awake. So I'm going to turn off that regulator so that tells yes. you you're full because right now the priority is to stay awake. So yes. interesting. If you keep burning, I'm going to stay awake. So let's shut that down and that's it. So let's talk about, help us understand better circadian rhythms, right? You mentioned mm-hmm. like the light and the impacts that it has. What, what are the circadian rhythms? Why are they so important? And gosh, I, I feel like too, even just here in Indiana, we see that it's starting to get mm-hmm. lighter longer and it really does impact our mood, but tell us about from the sleep aspect. Yes, I, I love talking about that. During my fellowship training, I did everything about circadian rhythms and just uh, looking from two main perspectives. There's plenty of avenues that we can have that can navigate there, but just focusing on light and melatonin, right? So our circadian rhythms, this biological clock that we have 
we actually have multiple biological clocks through our bodies, but we have a master one that is in the brain that uh, regulates everything else for our body. So actually every cell in our body responds to this master biological clock, which is insane if you think about. So uh, yeah. yeah, like plants have them, even bacteria that is only have one cell has a biological clock. That's how powerful it is. Wow. So uh, this biological clock that we have, the master one uses information from our environment to understand when it's day and night, basically. And with that, it's going to regulate hormones, metabolism, immune function, cell growth, and all that. So uh, when we have light in the environment, it shuts down the uh, production of melatonin. And that has that cascade effect for all the other functions that are associated with being awake. And when we have dark in the environment, uh, the biological clock understands that it's night and also stimulate the production of melatonin. And with that, a cascade of events to uh, help the body keep functioning when sleep is occurring. So it's kind of an on and off switch with the light and dark and the melatonin being a key component to everything else that's going to happen in the body. Is it possible for some people to have some sort of issue where they cannot produce melatonin or they're not utilizing melatonin? How does that happen? And how does somebody even know? Yes, it it can happen that uh, somebody is not producing enough melatonin. And it actually happened to all of us as we get older. Because oh, really? Yes, yes. We all start producing less amount of melatonin as we get older. But uh, the noticeable difference is going to happen after 60, 65 years old. That's when the drop is going to be so significant that we're going to start having difficulty falling asleep. But for all of us in our 30s and 40s, and even in our 20s, the way that society is organized, that we are pushed to keep working 60 hours a week, and we are forced to, to have long days. And also, especially for us living in the north side of America, right? We have short days during some seasons and then long days in other seasons. So our body is flexible enough as when we are young to adjust to the natural change in the, the light. Mm-hmm. Right. But we've pushed our body through with our the way that our society is organized. And I'm always uh, careful to say this because I know that we need that organization, in our society. Sure. So it's not it's not a place of blaming because I've worked night shifts for many years, you know, uh, and I know how much we depend and how much we value those professionals that uh, keep us safe and healthy. Right. Yeah. Somebody has to to do it or we'd all be in trouble. Yes. And that's why it's so important to understand what the issues come from as far as circadian rhythms and also how we can create some strategies without medication to help them cope with those issues and live well and healthy and longer. Yeah. You mentioned the, how our melatonin production decreases as we age. So, and you mentioned the, the strong correlation, which is a huge motivator for me. I talk about this a lot on the podcast. I watched my grandmother pass away from Alzheimer's and it was a horrible disease. And so is that part of like for her, 
gosh, I was, I was younger when this happened, when she lived with us, but I remember she would be up in the middle of the night. She didn't go to bed till midnight. And we would, we're like, why do you not sleep? You know? So that could have maybe been part of it with what was happening in her brain. Yes. That's unfortunately it was part of that. My grandmother had the same problem and my great grandmother as well. So it was one of my motivations actually to go into geriatric was my great grandmother because she was a midwife and I saw all the good that she did and how she declined. And we didn't know how to deal with her. We didn't know what's going on. And I was probably 12 years old when she passed away. She was 101 years old when she passed away. Wow. Yes. So, but she had, uh, uh, she had dementia. And what we, we know with the research that I do today is that the first thing is that the melatonin production decreases as we grow older. So it, we see this fragmentation in the sleep cycle, waking up multiple times uh, during the night and have to take naps during the day to compensate from that, right? We see this mm-hmm. fragmentation in the sleep-wake cycle. The second thing that we see is that because they are not sleeping, the recommended amount of hours or not going through all the sleep cycles in the night, the brain doesn't have enough time to clean all those toxins that are produced during the day and they start accumulating the brain. And those, those toxins are for inflammation and also beta amyloids. If we had the opportunity to look at the brain of somebody who passed away with Alzheimer's, it's full of beta amyloids. So and it's only clean during your sleep. So that's so interesting. Are they, this is a side note, you know, but I'm curious, are they doing research as far as like medications for that? Like for the people who, you know, they're, they're not able to figure out their sleep patterns or what's, what's coming up with that. That's so interesting. Yes. Uh, There are many groups that are doing that. I can talk from my research. My main focus now is that is uh, looking at how we can improve the sleep quality and improve the cleanness of these beta amyloids in the brain during sleep. So we are doing that with different types of exercise during the day because it's not just, uh, for example, it's not just giving a sleeping pill, right, mm-hmm. for somebody with that because a sleeping pill knocks some parts of the sleep cycle. And if you don't have that, is not going to be a good sleep quality to do the work, right? Mm -hmm. So there's some exercise, types of exercise training that makes the the body and the brain tired enough to go through all sleep cycles. There's some interesting. Yeah, I love, I I get so nerdy and geek out about that. I think that's so interesting and fascinating. Yes. And there's also some supplements that we can use to improve the sleep quality going through all the sleep cycles. Yes. So and that's a great two. segue. So let's talk about sleep supplements, mm-hmm. melatonin, yes. CBD, you know, what's out there, what's helpful, what's harmful. Maybe let's start with, can we start with melatonin and then let's talk about yes. CBD? Yes. Yes. So uh, melatonin is a hormone that we produce in our body for uh, signaling to telling us that it's time to fall asleep. Right. And that has communication with all the process that I mentioned before for the, everything else in the body. But it's a hormone sold as a supplement. And what happens is that because it doesn't have the FDA regulation as a hormone, we can go to 
any uh, grocery store or pharmacy and buy melatonin and take it, right? And a group of colleagues did a study with all the melatonin that is in the market. So it, it has been a couple of years. It was in 2017 that they did this study, but they got samples of almost everything that we have in the market. And 70% did not have the amount of melatonin that they say that they have. And between 70 to 80% had more than just melatonin. So it had uh, serotonin, had amphetamines, and all like Benadryl and all this type of stuff together with the melatonin without saying the label. That they I believe it. Had. I believe it. The supplement that's, that's so true. There are things you buy off Amazon, you just don't know. So it makes sense. You saying that, you know, here on the show, we talk a lot about nutritional supplements, but it makes sense that we see the same thing with sleep supplements. Yes. Yes. And also the amount of melatonin that we need to have the good sleep quality that we want is between 0.3 to 5 milligrams. So somebody that is taking 20 milligrams of melatonin on a, on a supplement, first, they may not know what else is together with that. And second, they're taking much more than what they need. And what's so, the issue with too much? So the issue is too, with too much is that you're giving the wrong signal to your body because it's a hormone, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so think about if you have a bottle that fits two cups of water and you put five, <laughs> you're not going <laughs> to observe all that, right? Yeah. You're going to make a mess. <laughs> That's, That's a good a, way to describe it. You're just going to make a mess. <laughs> you're just going to make a mess by taking yeah. too much more than what you need, mm. right? And we see side effects as much as drowsiness, nausea, or even gastrointestinal effects too. Some people have uh, gastrointestinal effects by having too much melatonin and just feel miserable the next day, feel so tired. And other people take so much melatonin that they can actually cannot fall asleep because they have too much in their system. Because so. it's a mess and the body's like, what is happening? Interesting. Yes. Okay. So what about, what about CBD? So it's CBD, a hot, hot one right now. Yeah, CBD is very fascinating because the same way that melatonin has the receptors in the body to absorb them where they are needed, CBD does the same thing. We have the uh, CB1 and CB2 receptors all over our, our body ready to take the CBD and use where they are needed. And the research on CBD is expanding a lot in the past couple of years because First, there was this uh, misconception that everything that is coming from CBD or associated with CBD was going to make people high. And now we know that that's not true, mm -hmm. that uh, THC has those properties. And CBD, because they have different receptors, they are not going to make anybody high. So we saw the therapeutic effects of CBD that we don't see with THC, right? So. Mm -hmm. And because CBD has their own system uh, ready to absorb them, we understand now that the effects coming from CBD are with relaxation, uh, improving depression, and also helping with sleep. So that's why in the past five years, I would say more and more supplements are using CBD because we know that we can have a molecule that is pure, that's not going to make anybody high, 
we also have a molecule that the body has the own system to absorb it. And it's going to have those benefits for relaxation and sleep. So similar to melatonin, then, is there a certain dosage with CBD that's helpful, that's harmful, liquid, capsule, you know, Mm -hmm. do you have information on that? Yes. So uh, those between 250 milligrams to 300 milligrams are safe and they can be used either as powder or liquid, right? Mm -hmm. So the route of absorption is different, of course, with powder or liquid, but the effects are very similar because they Mm -hmm. reach the receptors in a similar way after they've been digested. So I've seen sometimes uh, people preferring the liquid CBD because of some of the, because of the digestion process is different, right? So they prefer the liquid CBD. And sometimes I see people using the powder CBD and saying that, oh, I feel like I had a different bowel movement when I have the powder CBD. And that's actually is not the CBD. It, in a way, is the CBD, but it's actually you digest them and whatever you don't use, you eliminate as poop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's not that the CBD is changing your body, your bowel movement. Is that the, whatever you didn't use, you're going to eliminate that. You just that. have something else that your body's getting rid of. So it sounds like as far as the type, it's really just a preference and maybe a little bit of trial and error. It sounds like recognizing how you feel going to bed, but also how you feel after when you wake up to kind of test and see, is that the right amount for me? Is that really the best way to figure out, right? Because the dosages for both, there's kind of this range, but then playing Mm -hmm. around to figure out what's the right range for you. Yes, exactly. Because if you use CBD from a source that you know that is ethical and you have the right amount that they say there, then it's just how your body feels with that because Mm -hmm. they have the right dose available for you with the two options for uh, powder or liquid. And then you can decide, okay, this one, I feel best the next day and I I don't experience anything that would be bothering my stomach or anything like that. And then it can be used without fear of causing any harm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so interesting. And I, I'm so anxious to just continue to hear about the research out there. I'm not in the hospital setting anymore, but when I was, oh my goodness, we had so many questions. This is, you know, gosh, I guess when it really all started getting really popular was like two, three years ago. Yes. So, so many questions and, and all the, <laughs> the physicians and dietitians in the office were like, we don't know. I need to do more research. There's not a lot of research out there. So anxious to, to see what continues to come out as far as the recommendations, because anecdotally, especially from people who do use it, they, from what I've heard, great, great experiences, great benefits. Yes. Yes. So that's so interesting that you said that how people are curious about it, but also that there's component component of, I don't understand as much as this, should I try it or not? So I, I do feel that the research is getting stronger and the support to use it with moderation, with the right dose is increasing now. So it's become mm-hmm. uh, more safe to use and you know exactly what effects we're going to have with the right dose. So it's it's very fascinating to see. And then sometimes we have supplements that put CBD and melatonin together. 
Yeah. And what I was just going to ask if, so for somebody struggling, you know, they're, they're listening, they're like, okay, I'm, I'm interested. Maybe they want to try, should they try melatonin or CBD or both? Is, is there a special combo there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are supplements that use melatonin and CBD together and, and the research is more, it's favorable for using them together, mm-hmm. uh, especially if we respect the dose. Right. So mm-hmm. melatonin and CBD together using both the best dose for melatonin and best dose for CBD, because we don't want a supplement that is going to knock you off. Right. Mm-hmm. We want a supplement that is going to stimulate your body to use what it already has to help you have the best sleep that you can. So when so. you're taking a supplement, you should feel within, I don't know, 30 minutes to an hour or so starting to feel tired, ready to wind down, but not something that (laughs) knocks you out before you get upstairs to go to bed. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So the way that we recommend is that make the supplement, if you want to take a supplement, make it part of a bedtime routine. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be something that you're going to take and going to knock you off, right? So between 30 minutes to an hour before you're going to bed, when you start your bedtime routine, dimming the lights, taking a warm shower, take a supplement. And that the combination of those factors is going to give first the brain the opportunity to understand that it's shifting to a nighttime routine and a, a sleep is approaching. Dimming the lights, stimulate the natural melatonin production, and also mm. the CBD and the melatonin supplement is going to emphasize that and also promote the, rex- the relaxation that we need because sometimes people have difficult falling asleep. It's not because they don't produce melatonin. It's just because they have too, too much stimuli in the environment that is, doesn't trigger melatonin at the right time. So if you yeah. the supplement with that, it's giving the brain enough time to make that shift. And the other reason that people sometimes don't sleep well is because we are anxious all the time. We are thinking about what we need to do the next day. So the CBD is going to help releasing that and promote more relaxation. So both of them together as part of that time routine is going to help the bank transition into the sleep stage and just slowly transition into that and fall asleep and stay sleeping for the night. Yeah, different functions, but very complementary. Thank you so much for emphasizing the the routine of it because i think this is just a good lesson for listeners that so often we hear supplement and we think okay i'm having this issue i'm going to try this pill or this one thing this one strategy and it's going to make all the difference when really it's about creating that routine it's about <laughs> one piece yes. of the puzzle it's called supplement for a reason and so if yes. you choose to experiment with something like this or anything Think of think, and that's what we talk about on this podcast every single week is looking at the bigger picture. What are you trying to accomplish in the bigger picture and taking steps there? So that's really helpful to hear of why you're taking it. And you, you can't just take it and think it's going to work. You have to really build upon it. Yes. Yes. But our body is 
it was very well built, right? It was ready to deal with everything. But mm -hmm. sometimes we push it through uh, the limits. We need to remember that there is no miracle in taking a pill and taking a supplement. We need to create the opportunity for it to work in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. So having a bedtime routine is critical for that. I would say that 80% of the, the, the times that uh, somebody a patient or a research participant tells me that they are not sleeping after they start taking the supplement is because they are not doing the bedtime routine or investing in sleep hygiene and just changing really the behavior to allow the supplements to work in the way that it should. So we need to do our part. That's yes. it, it's important. Our body will, will work, but we need to do our part. Yes. 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 That's so it's, true. It's almost like wanting to go to the Winter Olympics without training for it. You know, it's, <laughs> Good it's, luck. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, I got, I got my tickets. You know, I, I made to the team, but... I have the outfit. I have my ticket. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then like the body's going to tell like, I didn't practice for that. I cannot do it. I'm not showing and, up. I'm not going to... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and for sleep is the same thing. Like you take the supplement and the body's like, you didn't prepare me for this. It's in the system. I don't know what to do with that now. It's mm, so, so, so interesting. Dr. Weiss, I could talk about, I, you are a wealth of knowledge. I feel like I have so many more questions I could continue to ask. So we're definitely going to have to have you back on the show. Any other just final tips as we wrap up of just where somebody should start? Maybe they're listening and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to be better about my routine. I'm overwhelmed. Where should where should I start? I would say to start small. It start thinking that let's say that the sleep the bedtime routine is, is going to need five components. You need to set a time that you want to go to bed. You start your routine one hour before that, and then you decide if you want to take a supplement or not. What type of relaxation techniques you're gonna have, and then think about your bedroom as the environment that you're gonna sleep. How we're gonna change that environment? So it's overwhelming to do all the five things at the same time. So it starts with it starts small. It starts with one thing, and when you feel comfortable with that one thing, we add another one. So my training behavioral sleep medicine tells me that. Changing behavior is the most difficult thing that we have to do. Mm -hmm. And if we try to do all at once, we're going to fail. And we're not going to go back to that. Mm -hmm. So it starts small and take it easy on yourself. Believe that you can do it and keep going and improving as you go. Well, I'm motivated. I have quite a bit of travel and a crazy schedule coming up. And I already mm -hmm. know that sleep is going to be so important and so challenging at the same time. So I'm, I'm inspired. You have me fired up and ready to take, take what I'm learning today and apply it. So thank That's you so great. much. I, I want to hear too. We, we love to ask our guests just because we're coming up on the end of the week. What is the best thing that's happened to you this week? Um, without a doubt, the best thing that happened to me this week is was able to see my family because I haven't seen them since the year before the pandemic. So it's been like, Oh my three goodness. Years. I got goosebumps. Yes. That makes me so happy for you. Yeah. So I, I haven't seen my mom for three years and I got to hug the, this week. 
So that's the best thing that happened to me. Such a good feeling. Oh, I'm so happy. (laughs) And I, I think for listeners, so much of us can relate to that, that just that reconnection and it's just as important to our health, right? Yes. Yes. I slept so much better after that hug. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I love that. Love it so much. Dr. Wise, thank you so much for, again, just sharing your knowledge, your wealth of information. Where do you like to hang out? Where, where can our listeners find you and, and learn more? Oh, you can find me on Instagram and it's uh, at Dr. Wise Sleep Education. And I you share- really do post some great little nuggets that are so like, we need that in our feed, these little reminders of, okay, get off your phone. Time to get ready for bed. Yes. Yes. I'm always there saying this. So yeah, you can find me there. I try to keep it fun and try to keep it easy, but I always uh, set the reminders there. And I share whatever I find new in the research. I make sure that I share there in a way that everybody can understand and take home and practice. Well, a reliable and wonderful resource. So we'll be sure to link to all those in the show notes. Again, thank you so much. Have a wonderful time with your family and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much, Katie. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. If you liked this episode, don't forget to share it with a friend. You can subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Fit Friends Happy Hour. Talk to you next time.